protests spark in China. Investors now demanding their money back as another Chinese asset manager misses debt payments. What's the status on China's property crisis? American financial giant JP Morgan said China's economy is staring down the barrel of a vicious cycle. While the head of the Chinese Communist Party calls for patience. The Inflation Reduction Act marks its one-year anniversary. Biden touted the achievement, but who is really reaping the benefits? Welcome to China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Angry protests erupting in China as investors demand their money back. That's after a major Chinese asset manager missed payments on its debt, stoking fears of default. The news comes as the country's property sector flounders. The group reportedly manages 1 trillion yuan in assets, or around $137 billion. It's already stopped paying investors amid the fallout of China's struggling real estate sector. Investors seen facing off with police as they demand their money back. A subsidiary manages more than $90 billion of assets, a large portion of that tied to the real estate sector. Its missed payments had added to stress in the financial sector from the country's worsening property crisis. Anxious Chinese investors now worried about contagion across the country's financial system. They're asking dozens of other listed companies whether they were exposed to the trust company. This is the latest in a slew of financial woes plaguing China. That's as fears spread that China's deepening property sector crisis is spilling over into the financial industry worth trillions. American financial giant J.P. Morgan is sending out warnings against China, saying almost $400 billion debts in China are at risk of default. The bank said China might face a vicious cycle. China's largest private finance company, Zhongji Capital, has been missing payments on high-yield investment products, and it's prompted concerns over a potential domino effect. Local media have called the firm the Chinese Blackstone. J.P. Morgan estimated that approximately 13% of China's total assets poses heightened default risks due to their ties to the company. Be patient. That's what Chinese leader Xi Jinping has to say about China's spiraling economy. Chinese state media published Xi's comment Tuesday. He originally made the remark in February, calling for patience as the country battles economic woes. China's economy is having a huge problem right now. This magical China growth story that was com- that was not based on any reality. What that's done is since then there's been a massive market sell-off, a lot of weakness in China. But will investors stick around through the slowdown? Foreign companies and investments are pulling out from China, while Xi's regime has been trying to stop that outflow. To help, China State Council published new rules Sunday to attract and keep foreign investment, including lower tax rates and a streamlined visa process. On the world stage, concerns over China's unstable market are rising, helped along by worsening geopolitical ties between the U.S. and China. On top of that, revised antitrust and anti-espionage acts have given Beijing more power to control foreign business activities inside Chinese borders, presenting added risks for business owners. Xi Jinping calls for patience for the country's economic slump. What does it look like in China? Consumption slowing down, property woes deepening. The country's economy is facing some of the strongest headwinds in years. Just how bad is the slowdown and is there a way out? Let's take a closer look. Is China facing a deeper and longer-lasting slowdown in growth? 
From retail sales to industrial output, July's numbers fell short of expectations. Some fear the country's economy could be reaching a crunch point. So how much worse can the slowdown get? China's been here before. Alarm bells over growth went off during the 2008 global financial crisis and again in 2015. To cope, Beijing boosted infrastructure investment and encouraged property market speculation. But that created debt. And the property bubble has already burst. Now there's really only one source of demand to tinker with. That's household consumption. So why is that so important? Even before the pandemic, China's consumption as a percentage of GDP was among the lowest in the world. Economists say that weak demand has dampened appetite to invest in the private sector. In fact, the gap between consumption and investment is deeper than Japan's was before it entered its so-called lost decade of stagnation in the 1990s. And remember post-pandemic revenge spending? Well, unlike the West, that never really happened in China. People were largely left to fend for themselves during the health crisis. So now the question is whether China can convince households to spend more and save less, and whether that can be enough to compensate for other weak points in the economy. Ultimately, that will reveal whether this slowdown is different. In terms of what could help, economists are watching for Communist Party measures that would boost household consumption. Think big tax cuts, unemployment benefits, higher pensions, and better public services. And yes, China's central bank did surprise markets by cutting interest rates in mid-August. But economists warn that won't be enough to make a meaningful difference. What those cuts will do is signal to markets that officials want to stimulate the economy. And a new record for Asian stocks. Market shares slumped to a nine-month low Thursday, while the dollar peaked at a two-month high. China's stock market has seen an ongoing slide over the past few weeks. A slew of economic data show a tentative post-pandemic recovery. But this comes along with a deepening crisis in the real estate sector. Beijing's recent measures aim to boost investor confidence, but with little success so far. According to an Asia equity strategist at HSBC, the appetite for investing in China right now is very low. Just four months to go until 2024, and President Biden is celebrating the one-year anniversary of the Inflation Reduction Act, a signature of his administration. Biden touted the achievement this week, taking a swipe at Republicans. So who reaped the most benefit from the bill? Let's take a closer look. It's been one year since President Biden's Inflation Reduction Act got signed into law. The administration celebrated on Wednesday. Republicans have repeatedly tried to repeal key parts of the Inflation Reduction Act, including the Speaker of the House now. Taking credit for the billions of dollars in private investments and thousands of jobs coming into their states. Yo, it's now law. A big part of the law aims to boost clean energy manufacturing at home to help the U.S. cut dependence on China for solar panels and electric car batteries. But who's reaping the most benefit? An analysis from the Wall Street Journal says so far, foreign companies are among the biggest winners. The law spurred over 200 clean energy projects, totaling at least $110 billion investment dollars altogether. But over 60% of the spending involves foreign companies, including China, Japan and South Korea. One example is Japan's Panasonic. It's projected to get over $2 billion in tax credits. 
That's based on its production capacity. Panasonic runs a lithium-ion battery plant in Nevada, is building another in Kansas, and eyeing a possible third on U.S. soil. Even though Biden's Signature Act looks to shore up domestic green energy, right now foreign companies dominate the realm. From raw materials to finished parts and EV batteries to solar panels. Over $8 billion investment dollars sparked by the law come from Chinese companies or companies with deep ties to China. I think it's fair to say that this is not enhancing competition with China. If anything, it's simply mimicking particular policies that China itself has followed in terms of trying to subsidize and promote particular sectors of economic growth. Many are watching to see if Washington can close the loopholes. The Treasury Department is working on the rules for giving out EV tax credits. It has floated the idea of disqualifying certain cars from tax credits if they use battery materials made by Chinese companies. The Big Apple is signing off of TikTok. The New York City mayor's office just updated the bio of its official account on the platform with this message. This account was operated by NYC until August 2023. It's no longer monitored. Let's dive in. New York City has banned TikTok on government-owned devices due to security concerns. Wednesday's announcement meant it joined a number of U.S. cities and states in placing restrictions on the short video sharing app. The administration of New York City Mayor Eric Adams said TikTok posed a security threat to the city's technical networks. The city's agencies must now remove TikTok within 30 days. Employees will also lose access to the app and its website on city-owned devices and networks. TikTok is owned by Chinese tech giant ByteDance and used by more than 150 million Americans. Some US lawmakers have called for a nationwide ban due to worries about possible Chinese government influence. TikTok said it has not shared and would not share US user data with the Chinese government. It also claimed to have taken substantial measures to protect the privacy and security of TikTok users. Top US security officials including FBI Director Christopher Wray and CIA Director William Burns have said TikTok poses a threat. Many US states and cities have restricted TikTok on government devices. Montana recently passed a bill banning the app across the state. The rule is due to go into effect in January but has been challenged legally. Taiwan's vice president promising to treat peace and democracy as a lighthouse Wednesday. He shared that message while making a stop in San Francisco on his way back to Taiwan. Here I make my promise to everyone. Going forward, I will do all I can to lead Taiwan continuously forward, with peace as a lighthouse and democracy as a compass. Beijing responded to his U.S. stopover by calling him a separatist and troublemaker. Lai aims to paint Taiwan as the democratic world's MVP, most valuable player. Beijing claims Taiwan as part of its territory. Taiwan staunchly denies Chinese sovereignty, standing closely with democratic societies around the world. Lai also called U.S.-Taiwan ties unprecedentedly good. Chair of the American Institute in Taiwan, Laura Rosenberger, attended the banquet, which highlighted U.S. support for the island. She stated, quote, Taiwan is a crucial partner in U.S. efforts to maintain global peace and stability, including in the Taiwan Strait. A bird's eye view and a warning from the press. China might be building an airstrip on a disputed island in the South China Sea. That's according to a report from the Associated Press. 
Both Taiwan and Vietnam claim this island as their own. Well, China claims almost the entire South China Sea. That's in violation of an international ruling. News of the airstrip comes from a satellite photo the agency captured. Construction in the area first appeared in the beginning of this month. That's alongside seven artificial islands made by China, all of them equipped with airstrips, docks and military systems. Analysts point out that the runway is long enough to handle small military aircraft like drones, but not fighter jets or bombers. How bad is China's property crisis? Real estate giants have defaulted one after the other in recent years. But what's happening right now? And is there an escape hatch for China's property crisis? Stay tuned for more coming up tomorrow on China in Focus. Today, here's what's coming up. Can foreign adversaries shape our legislation with help from the power of lobbying? We zoom into how China's massive pocketbook is impacting U.S. law. Rex Lee, cybersecurity advisor at MySmart Privacy, first broke the story two years ago. We sat down with him for more details. His comments in just a minute here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. How much influence do foreign powers have on U.S. policies? Experts say it all comes down to money. China's presence now popping up in our nation's capital through lobbying and trickling down into our daily lives. We hear from Rex Lee, cybersecurity advisor at MySmart Privacy, for more after he first broke his story two years ago. Rex Lee, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show. Thank you, Tiffany, for having me on the program. Rex, there seems to be some more focus on national security, especially when it comes to foreign adversaries like China and Russia. And it seems a lot of that goes to lobbying, which is something you've talked about and exposed as far as maybe two years ago. Lay us a picture of how far this goes. Well, it goes pretty far because uh, that's that's where we see things like congressional hearings. For instance, there's been over 30 congressional hearings involving nefarious business practices employed by tech giants, including uh, ByteDance, the developers of TikTok. We most recently saw a congressional hearing involving uh, ByteDance's CEO, Sho Chu, regarding harmful and uh, even deadly uh, business practices employed by ByteDance that were brought up uh, in the congressional hearings, such as the TikTok challenges that's resulted in death. And as we know, uh, uh, during the uh, Facebook, Instagram whistleblower hearings with Francis Hagen, uh, social media platform companies uh, also employ harmful brain hijacking uh, technology, which is also very highly addictive. It's associated with manipulative advertising uh, technologies that these companies bake into their their, uh, platforms. People have got to start asking themselves, how come this isn't being banned or how come these state agencies or even uh, federal agencies like the FTC aren't taking action or lawmakers? Well, it boils down to lobbying efforts by these companies. Um, and that's where we see the holdup. Uh, people, this is kind of in the congressional hearings. They forget about it because of the 24-hour news cycle a few weeks later, and nobody ever seems to go back and follow up on it. Um, and during that uh, time, this is when the lobbyists are uh, lobbying the lawmakers to help protect these companies. 
And Rex, on that note, it seems we've talked about this before too, but for instance, the National Defense Authorization Act, even <clears throat> including the Supreme Court, there's movements there where the lobby groups are also targeting it. Give us a sense of what's at stake here. Well, you know, when we, when we talk about the lobbyists, that sounds very nebulous. Um, and a lot of people don't understand who these people are. Some of these folks we've talked about before, um, uh, such as uh, former Democratic presidential advisor, Tony Podesta. He's the brother of John Podesta. John Podesta, as you know, is a presidential advisor to Joe Biden regarding green, green uh, uh, energy initiatives and so forth. Tony Podesta represents Huawei. Um, aside from uh, Tony Podesta representing Huawei, which means that Tony Podesta has a direct line into the White House. This means he's advising Joe Biden directly about on behalf of uh, uh, Huawei. But there's also uh, Jeffrey Hogg. He's a former aide to Congressman uh, uh, Bart Gordon, a Democrat from Tennessee, and Mike McClintry, former Democrat uh, congressman of North Carolina, have also been hired by Huawei, aside from Tony Podesta. So now you see that we not only have presidential advisors, but we also have congressional, former congressional um, representatives uh, being uh, hired as lobbyists as well as aides. So you can imagine the wealth of information that Huawei is gaining from these individuals about our government and even our, our, our president. But on the Republican side, you have former um, presidential advisor to Trump, David Urban, who is one of the founding members of American Continental Group. That is the law firm or K Street law firm hired by ByteDance to represent them in uh, Washington. Uh, so you look at David Urban and you think to yourself, well, this is a former presidential advisor to Donald Trump. Not only is his law firm hired uh, as the chief lobbyist for ByteDance, but David Urban himself has also been employed directly by ByteDance as a senior vice president, and he has no software uh, experience. Now, if you want to look at how effective this is, um, just recently this year, Huawei, uh, it's, uh, has been, um, it's been reported that Huawei 5G products can now be marketed again worldwide, where as you saw before, there was a ban against their 5G products. So when you look at how much information these people have, they may not be reporting it directly to the Chinese government or the CCP, but imagine the information they're divulging to corporate leaders at Huawei and ByteDance, then imagine the fact that these companies are beholden to the CCP. ByteDance has a CCP member on their board as reported, by, uh, reported from Bloomberg. Some of the other bills that they hold influence over uh, today are uh, Bill HR three four four. I mean Bill HR four three four six, which is tied to the Supreme Court. The name of that bill is the Supreme Court Funding Act, um, as well as another bill that they're uh, lobbying uh, has to do with the de uh, Department of Homeland Security, and that bill is Bill HR six eight. 3-7 titled, of all things, this is ironic, um, no TikTok on Department of Homeland Security devices. So it's ironic that a bill that's titled no TikTok on the Department of Homeland Security devices is being um, lobbied by ByteDance through American Continental Group and uh, David Urban. And Rex, when we look at these presidential, former presidential advisors and who they're working for now, 
Whose interests are they working for? It's helping the Chinese uh, corporations compete more effectively against American corporations, for one thing. And then again, when you stop and think about, look at the technology. Look at why Huawei was banned. Initially, it was banned through the Obama administration. President Obama uh, administration identified Huawei as a national security threat because they are the manufacturers of 5G infrastructure. These are cell sites and also uh, uh, endpoint devices like uh, smartphones. Well, they bake in just like a, a social media platform has uh, surveillance and data mining technology baked into the social media platform. That same technology is baked into the infrastructure as well as the devices so that companies can surveil and data mine the end users for profits. Uh, you know, they say they're doing this for advertising purposes, but you can see where if a government official was carrying one of these Huawei phones or talking on a Huawei network, uh, that the company could have access to those phone calls, as well as access to the texting, the emailing that's going on on the devices, calendar events, and all sorts of uh, information that you can glean off of these events, uh, off of these devices. Um, so you can imagine with all of that information that these companies can gather, uh, they pose a huge national security threat. But when you stop and think about companies like ByteDance, Huawei, Badu, who's an Android app developer, and Tencent, the developers of uh, WeChat, when you think about those companies that are beholden to the Chinese government and the CCP getting all of this personal information, which also includes business information, uh, they're able to then uh, uh, potentially uh, turn that information over to the Chinese government and the CCP. So it seems we're almost only starting to scratch the surface here. As you also mentioned earlier, Timu, Xi, and all these other mm -hmm. Chinese apps for those who are concerned, what can be done? I think that uh, what needs to be, what what needs to happen is Congress has to step in at this point, and uh, they need to. Um, uh, uh, we we need new laws protecting our personal and professional information. It does seem like there's a lot of concerns for both privacy and security. And Rexley, thank you so much yes. for your time. Thank you. That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocusntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.